0: Hi, I'm Adam Payne, the host of the Keeping It Business podcast. I'm a multiple small business owner, business mentor and growth coach. And if you'd like to know more on how to build a stronger, more profitable business, then please visit www.adampayne.me. Right, welcome to another Keeping It Business podcast. I have the lovely Becca and Michelle with me here. So introduce yourselves and introduce your business.
1: Want to go first, Michelle, or me? Go on, you can start us off. I'll Becca. start. Um, so I'm Becca. Um, so I am part or one part of Aspire Training Solutions. Um, I would definitely say not the better half of it, I will give that one from Michelle.
0: We'll come back to that one. Don't
1: listen oh, to bad, it, so. don't <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, in terms of um what I, what we do, we have a business which is we set up about ooh, 14 months ago now, Michelle. Um yeah. looking at Combining our passions around well-being in terms of our backgrounds, which we'll no doubt get into, um, but thinking about how we can support organisations in getting them to build their well-being awareness and supporting their staff. So that's basically our day-in, day-out is thinking about other people's well-being and how we can help them.
0: <laughs> Brilliant, Michelle. Would you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, so I'm Michelle. I'm
2: definitely the shorter half of Aspire Training Solutions, <laughs> um, if nothing else. <laughs> um, and yeah, as Becca said, um, bringing together things that we seem to both be interested and passionate in um and have started on this venture just into our second year now
0: excellent superb right I'm going to start with Michelle then so what did you want to be when you left school left college left university where did it all start for you
2: grew up oh I was one of those people that never quite knew what I wanted to do so coming out of doing my GCSEs and A levels I wasn't one of those people who had a clear path um, so I did my GCSE and A levels but then I went into the world of work a bit and I did a bit of um, first of all working in a legal firm doing a bit of reception type admin which was quite interesting very small firm so I, I was thrown in the deep end in a few legal situations when no one else was free so it's quite interesting um, but I did that and then worked at an accountant. And quite early, I think I just got to that stage, very early 20s, when I went, I can't do just this for another 40 years. (laughs) What am I really passionate about? And that's when I I took a back step and ended up going to university as a um, mature student, allegedly, um, and did psychology and criminology because that's what I was just interested in. I was nosy. I wanted to know why people do the stuff they do, particularly the extreme stuff. Um, So I ended up studying and doing criminology and psychology. So I started off in a sort of crime and forensics field
0: all right fantastic we'll come back to that criminology side i'm interested in that so what about you becca
1: so to be honest i wasn't very academic at school um it really only became i suppose i've always ended up have to be passionate about something to be able to apply myself to it so i I wouldn't say i was bad at school in any shape or form but i certainly didn't have the motivation in the same way because i don't think it was what i really wanted to be doing um so I was very much actually involved in the Duke of Edinburgh Award when I was growing up, when I was at school, um, and actually ended up being a Duke of Edinburgh leader at one stage in my life. So I was very much about being outdoors and doing things. So I always wanted to be hands-on. So there was a stage before I even thought about applying to university, I wanted to be in the forces. So it was about all about teamwork, all about wanting to be in a group, being feeling like you belong, I suppose that's it. It's what I was missing when I was at school. Um, you know, was never one of the children in school that was bullied particularly, but never really felt like a fit in anywhere. It was never like a group that I felt that I was belonged to. And I think that that's what appealed to me about the forces. Um, And for one reason or another, it just never panned out that way. And it was a university life for me. So again, it was very similar to Michelle. What do I want I'm going to study? What am I going to study that's going to make me tick? Um, And it was always about people, you know, it's why do people do the things they do? And so that drew, drew me to psychology that's where I went um and very much like Michelle actually coincidence that I went forensic psychology first of all um but then actually detoured off into just general psychology and much more around the clinical side so I ended up much more involved in child and adolescent mental health services um, in my line of work whereas Michelle went more prison service um, and then into adult mental health um so that's kind of my route in Um, in comparison to sort of shells so Ah. originally yeah didn't really see myself in an academic role in that sort of sense.
0: Okay okay so your first uh, role then was in the um, children's side so yeah was your first where did you go or what was your first position coming out of university then for you what was your first?
1: When I left uni I was basically me, me and my now husband it was a race who can get a job first so it was we'll go anywhere in the country but who gets the job first and i uh, i drew the lucky straw with that one so we i got a job as an assistant psychologist so straight out of uni i went over to um norfolk and suffolk that we are and went out to work for an nhs trust out there um, and actually worked in great yarmouth for the child and adolescent mental health service for learning disabilities so I worked with families and young children that had a diagnosis of a learning disability or were in the process um, of exploring that as an avenue. So I would do quite a lot of the cognitive assessments for children and being part of that whole diagnosis path and then supporting the families with that diagnosis and how they can support their children with that. So yeah, it was a whirlwind year, but it was, it was fantastic out there doing that. Loved
0: it. So how long did you do that for?
1: Oh, probably about eighteen months, I think, in all, um, before we moved back. Because then it was my husband's job; he works in education, so it was we've always kind of been ping-ponging around the country, I suppose, for jobs in various roles and trying to support each other in pursuing those those goals and what we wanted to achieve. But yeah, so it was then drawn back to the Midlands to for his education sort of side of things, and then it was looking at mental health, but in an adult setting for me.
0: Okay, good. Okay, so Michelle. So, you, did you go straight into sort of like the criminology prison side, service side, or did it always a? It...
2: Yeah, well, I came out of university and then I was sort of like late twenties at that point, so I went as a mature student, and I ended up moving from where I'm originally from, and I got a job in the prison service. I'd been doing some volunteering while I was studying, um, so I moved down um, more um, towards the to Midlands from where I am, and um, spent about three years in all. Working in a couple of different prisons um, doing a funding behaviour side of things so doing a lot of treatment needs assessments and then working on delivering programmes for behaviour change programmes um, anger management getting involved in some of the sex offender treatment programmes things like that within the prison um, service and eventually moved back to where I'm from um, around Nottinghamshire to be closer to family and friends because I never really took root anywhere else um, so I came back there um, yeah but I spent about three three and a half years in the prison service is my first key role Also my baptism of fire if you like
0: okay And yeah. well, so where did you go from there then so for prison service three years where did it go for you
2: yeah then I I'm, I went to the NHS so I moved over to sort of more community-based adult mental health and that's when I started my role as a what's called a PWP or um, psychological well-being practitioner um, and I did that For it was about ten years before I actually left that clinical role. So I spent a good decade doing that and gaining experience and doing slightly different projects within that. Um, And that's kind of where we we started to converge because Becca was off doing that somewhere else.
0: (laughs) Right. So you've got so coming full back then into into Becca. So you uh, you're back now into uh, local area. So
1: yeah. So I gravitated back to where I was from, which is sort of the Leicestershire patch, if you like. Um, and yeah, got a job as a trainee, psychological wellbeing practitioner, did my training year qualified, then went to, again, it was Nottinghamshire service technically, but they cover a big patch. So I was in the Leicestershire kind of base within that. Um, and yeah, so that was slowly, we were kind of converging on the same sort of careers, weren't we? And then it was inevitable that we'd finally cross
0: paths. So full circle then, how did that path cross?
1: um, I suppose I went from being a PWP in the service to becoming a senior PWP and my job was specifically at the time we had quite a lot of trainees coming through the service so they allocated my role which was going to be just supporting the trainees so they were at the local university studying part time and then they were in service um, obviously clinically practicing and I was their supervisor Um, and that's where I sort of joined up with some of the the team over at the university and started to know a little bit more about what they were doing on the program in terms of the the academic side of the training um and got involved with sort of what they were doing a little bit so i was all in all i think a supervisor for just over the year and then just as it co- it co-happened that actually a job came up at the university so i then split my time so i would still continue clinically practicing and have my clinics with my patients for half of the week and then i would go and do a academic sort of role within the lecturing team at the university and would train um the the students from a sort of education point of view so i had the best of both worlds really and that's where me and michelle kind of collided
0: (laughs) Uh, okay so so (laughs) so michelle you were at the university then um studying or lecturing or
2: no i joined as a as a senior lecturer i think i joined um, only a few months before Becca actually came over and joined part-time, yeah, okay. so I think Becca would already was familiar with the team, so I, I actually met Becca in the context of her being a supervisor first, um, and then she came over to join us, um, and then we ended up working there um, really closely, just becoming really close friends um, over about three, three and a half years that we were there.
0: Okay, so what brought the decision then to set up the business?
1: Oh, lots of things, I guess. Um, I think yeah. part of it was, you know, I think Michelle's already mentioned, you know, that three years was intense in lots of ways in that we'd formed such a good friendship. Um, you know, our husbands are really good friends. So it just, it all fit together perfectly. Um, and I think like with any job, really, you get to a stage where you think, where next? What what comes next? I think one of the limitations of what we were doing was we had lots of different ideas about well-being and what we could do um but actually part of the the nature of the course is that you're limited to one thing that you're talking about and you're training because they're very specific practitioners that we were training so there were some limitations within that so I think naturally you you start to get to the point of what next um and I think for one reason or another it just you know when that came to an end we got our heads together and thought what do we both want to do now (laughs) um I think that that will compete for jobs wasn't it (laughs) Yeah, it was either we're going to be going for the same jobs and we're going to be competition or we better team up and do something. Um, So that made for a very interesting, not this last Christmas, but the Christmas before, um, an interesting one of, okay, so now where? Um, And so I think between lots of gins and a few wines and thinking, what do we love about what we do and where are we going next? It came to this conclusion that actually we could maybe do something here. And I think that's where Aspire kind of started to be sort of born really from there.
0: Okay, okay. Who was the one to first uh, mention and, and put the uh, idea forward?
1: That's a really good question, actually. I think I might have mentioned something about, I think this would be a really good opportunity to not have to work by anybody else's kind of structures ever again. So I think this nice way of, you know, I think that we all can relate to that feeling of um, having lots of ideas, but not necessarily the constraints of any organisation where you can't always see that, that through um I think that this was an opportunity for us to kind of make our own rules as to what we wanted to do with our time and how that manifested I think that was quite exciting for me I don't know about you Michelle
2: yeah Becca's really positive I always found that Becca always carries me along with some positivity and I think it was just trying to decide and compare well what are you going to do next what are you going to do next so well, I'd love to work for more like a training type company and then it was just Becca well we could do that <laughs> there's no reason why we can't do that so I think, think it was it's just kind of planting
1: that seed and actually playing with that idea a bit and then oh yeah of course we could. Yeah I think I'm probably the one that a bit clueless goes and says yeah sure we can do that we can definitely do that.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> what thinking. was what was the uh, partners like when you your, your partners when you uh, started broaching this?
1: Uh, do you know what all credit to them I would say they were both incredibly supportive I think Good. a little bit thinking okay yeah we can do that um, I think Also, I think, I'm sure they've never said it, but I'm sure Nick would most probably say that it was a bit apprehensive about, you know, how's this going to pan out? Um, Obviously, on top of that, I found out in January, just as we had started um, Aspire Training Solutions, that I was pregnant. So obviously that threw another spanner in the works of, okay, so not only are we setting up our own business, but I'm also going to be a mum this year. So how are we going to juggle all of this? So I think there was lots of, how is this going to pan out? But I don't think they've ever wavered in terms of their support for us. I think that's... Thankfully,
0: good. anyway, good, yeah. good. Yeah. And I suppose in, when you look at this, in some ways is that there's a hardship. There's no two ways about it. There's a hardship to starting a business and doing a startup and getting into it. But it's a, a great time for having a little. In my opinion, for having a little, it's one of the reasons I set up my business. I uh, I was having spending way too much time traveling abroad abroad and missing my little one's growth so I made the decision and I think there's something about having your own business and it gives you that little bit where it gives you a lot of freedom to make sure you can concentrate on it because family for me is is number one um, on everything Um, so yeah you know it is uh, it is hard it it makes it harder but you're there that's the main thing
1: I think that's it I mean we've had that conversation haven't we Michelle about how I don't know how I would be able to do it now going back, you know, thinking if I was on maternity leave, obviously, when you have your own business, that doesn't quite pan out the same way. But if I had been on maternity leave, the thought of having to go back to work and doing the, you know, I used to commute a good hour and a half hour and 40 minutes to work each way. How would that, the thought of that would have been looming in the back of my mind now. And I don't think that would have been a particularly good place to have been.
0: No, yeah, yeah. So now we've got Aspire. So tell me, where did the name come from? Hmm, interesting.
2: Um, We we debated lots of different versions of names but I think we were thinking about things that meant something to us and we'd often use the term aspire or aspiring to be um, when it tried to get an ethos for the business even, thinking about what we had the freedom to do as people who own their own business compared to working for someone else. Um, Thinking about, very passionate about integrity and what we do and doing it to a good standard that we're happy with that was something we were really keen on embodying and we just kept coming back to well if we're aspiring to be this and aspiring to be that and it just seemed to fit and then as soon as we'd said it everything else we came up with just didn't compare to aspire so I think we were around in circles but we just kept coming back to it didn't we
1: yeah it was just to be to the point where it it stopped sounding like a word at one point you know because she kept saying it over and over again I think when we start we designed the logo as well it was like are we spelt that right you know and you double double take because you've been looking at the same word so many times i think you must have proofed it about you know, 10 times
0: yeah you the unlike with my first business which is tcm uk limited i made the fatal mistake with the name tcm uk because it's a tv channel is it yeah, yeah. tcm uk no. is a you know the um tcm uh, which is all the old films so I get quite a lot yeah. of messages on mine saying, your film last night was too loud. Well, I was, yeah, and then it goes on like and I have to go back to it. <laughs> So, yeah, rule number one. Yeah, just double check on your name yeah. when, when you're setting up a business. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because it was originally t- Total Change Management UK because it was manufacturing, and mm-hmm. uh, everything to do with manufacturing and manufacturing consultancy. And then I just ch- it just became TCM UK Limited. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I'd, I wouldn't have, uh, uh, have done it in, in that first instance. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more then about Aspire Training. What do you want to know, Adam? Think? <laughs> tell them, this. Is, this is your chance to, to tell everybody what you do. So
1: I guess for me, Aspire Training Solutions, what we're trying to do is give people not just the knowledge and the skills that I think that a lot you know as it says on the tin as a training provider what we're trying to do but it's not just that it's it's about this the confidence to be able to do it because I think you can know something and you can be given the skills to do it but it's are you confident to actually execute it and I think that for me is a big part of when we're thrashing around our kind of content It's does this empower people to be able to believe that they're able to do it and actually follow that through um, so I think we really give a lot of thought to those sorts of things don't we Michelle um in terms of how yeah, we plan definitely. that
2: I think through my training right from doing psychology but definitely through my training as a PWP and CBT based work that I've done and training and um, so cognitive behavioral therapy learned a lot of skills that I would impart to patients and, and clients but I always enjoyed being able to give people those like these little aha moments where you give them a bit of a rationale of something, you give them something that you suddenly see they feel they can use. It's almost like you feel that tool go into their bag or that piece of armour go on. Um, and I really enjoyed that about the work. And I think doing that in different contexts, I got the same thing from students when we were training them, mm-hmm. giving them knowledge that they felt better at their job. Um, and I think that's just the something I wanted to keep and replicate going through, giving people those aha moments and those things where they walk out feeling better because I know some of these things work really well both from just using them clinically and taking them on board for my own life as I've been through the last couple of decades you do you pick up these tips and tricks and you just want to share them because they really help
0: yeah Yeah. so how do you go about this do you is it do you do uh for those that don't know because I do but for group training do you do coaching do you do the mentoring side do you all of that is it a whole host of different stuff so what is it that you what other sort of like avenues other things do you do what sort of uh, content and stuff do you deliver one-to-one one-to-many
1: yeah so we set up the the business to predominantly do face-to-face and even thought about doing online um training sessions um obviously with the world that it was in the last year very quickly we learned that everything was going to be online for the foreseeable um so we had to think quite quick and quite smart around how can we replicate what we wanted out of the face-to-face training room so I think that's one of our things that we pride ourselves on a lot is that the dynamic between the two of us I think because we are good friends as we've said you know we have a very similar ethos in terms of how we want to work and our work ethic it comes across and it comes alive in that training room together and so I think some of that is how do we replicate that and maintain some of that in the way that we deliver online online training, so we've invested in lots of different tools that allow us to kind of incorporate that engagement with with our um, attendees in a training session. But we very much focus on skills development, don't we, Michelle? So it's much more thinking about. At the moment, we're doing some work around well being with an organisation, some well being training. We've worked quite closely with a lot of um, some a legal firm at the moment, which has been doing various things around supervision training. So again, skills focused. Um, applying some of our evidence-based CBT approaches so things like we've been doing some sleep work with an organization so looking at improving sleep managing anxiety worry stress you name it those anything that comes under that well-being bracket we can kind of tackle really Um, we've even been open to the fact that we, we do bespoke work so if it's something that we don't say that we do but you're really interested in something, that's something that we can definitely look at and work with people as to, okay, what's your end goal? What do you want your team or you know yourself, if it's an individual that um, is booking that training um, for an organisation, what is it that you want yourself or your team to achieve from that? Um, and then let's work backwards because for us, it's all about what you do afterwards. The training is, is null and void unless it results in a shift, whether that's a behavioural shift, a mindset shift, whatever it might be, unless there's something that shifts at the other end of it. It's just, it's just us talking to people, isn't
0: it? Yeah, knowledge. was <laughs> um, yeah. the, the saying is, knowledge is power, and no, it's not. It is potential power, till you actually do something yeah. with it. That is when it becomes power. Yeah. So, uh, so from uh, Michelle, you know, um, Becca spoke about the COVID side there. Mm-hmm. How did that throw a spanner in to it?
2: a whole toolbox in I think to start with I mean we were just (laughs) just getting on our feet in terms of we've just got some bookings um for some work sort of in the march of that year we were just starting to feel like we we were doing something and it could work um and then suddenly you got this on the horizon and it was right okay so we'll have to postpone that or we'll have to just forget that for now and I think becca might correct me but I think quite fairly I think we had about a month where we just froze Um, And we were like, well, let's just see what happens. That first lockdown of six weeks ish, it was like, well, let's let's not do anything too rash. Let's let's think. um, Let's see what happens. And hopefully we can just postpone all this a few weeks. Um, And then I think very quickly we realised that wasn't what was going to happen. Um, And we started to think about adapting that. So our early pieces of work, we adapted a couple of those for people that had booked them just to give them something online um, that they can distribute to their staff but then we had to really think about getting our head around what platforms we could use. We hadn't done much in terms of anything online, um, really use Teams or Zoom or anything. We were working together a lot, so we would travel to each other's houses to work. Um, So we had to very quickly get around the logistics um, as well as trying to understand and learn business in a year that was not typical business. (laughs) Um, So I think there was a lot of challenges. There was a big chunk of the year where nothing happened and came in for us. But on the upside i would say it gave us and it forced us to pause and look at some of the stuff i think we would have missed out on um, for maybe a couple of years we would have ticked along for a couple of years with a bit of work and then we'd have realized we hadn't got things in order like our marketing and doing some of the fundamentals and it forced us to start thinking about those before i think we would i think that's fair to say
0: yeah Yeah. becky you want
1: to add anything no i definitely agree i think that first four weeks and we hadn't seen each other had we because obviously everything was locked down it's probably the longest I've ever spent away from Michelle in about three and a half four years um which was just ridiculous um so yeah it was it was tough I think everyone was feeling it we didn't really know what that meant for the business I think I think it was probably when I look back now that was when I wobbled it was my wobble of oh god have we done the right thing (laughs) do you know that moment of oh what's this going to mean you know we didn't have any idea did we and I think to some degree, I think we still don't know really how that's planned out. I mean, thankfully now things are improving a little bit, slowly but surely. But I think as a kind of with the global pandemic, we didn't know what what was going to happen. We didn't know if a vaccine was going to come out in twelve months, two years, ever. And I think that that was that all all of those aspects of unknown, which I think we were all sharing, um, compounded a bit of an anxiety for me. I think around that.
0: Yeah. There's a, and what's I've been in a lot of forums now around the mental health side and in particular with businesses uh the general opinion and consensus is that there are going to be quite a lot of issues as things are released um is your take on that and what you're seeing the same or
2: i think it's fair to yeah, say definitely. that
1: i think yeah the next pandemic is going to be a mental health one without a doubt yeah, yeah. it's my view on it okay um
0: michelle, is that saying what, that is that what you were going to say michelle yeah
2: exactly i think you know all all the evidence shows it's a bubbling issue you know people are coping the best they can and you know you're seeing it in sleep is, is hugely changed for everyone over the past couple of years um with all this you know anxiety levels are different people have retreated a bit those that have been staying at home have just you know been able to do that and and it's going to change everything again for people positively within their social circles everyone wants to get out but i think in the world of work it'll bring some challenges in people getting back to that definitely
0: I oh, was spring something on you now, and it's just any tips for people out there that you know that are going through you know particular wobbles like you say. Is there any, are there any exercises and things like? It? One of the things for me is is that I do. In fact, I find, found a fantastic little um, gif, and it's um, I think it's a like a pentagon. I think it's something like that, and it expands out but then closes down. don't you've seen it and i actually look at that and regulate the breathing in and out to that Mm. and even just watching it and just regulating it and it's almost it almost becomes like a meditation um Mm. are there other things as well you know you'd recommend for people
1: i think this year for me it's i'm not a big exercise buff by any stretch of the imagination um but activity just that walking you know for me it's been a half hour walk every day um Mm. So walking is, or, or any form of exercise, whether it's, if you have got a particular hobby like that, or if it is just about going for a walk while you can and getting fresh air, it's, it's amazing how, you know, how much good that can do in terms of the mind, your mood, you know, every time when I, when I used to be in previous clinical practice, you know, anybody who was struggling with mood, even when you're thinking about looking at anxiety, first thing you'd always look at is what you're doing. What is, what is your day-to-day activities look like? Because that's always the quickest win is thinking about, I mean, Michelle and I come from a, a cognitive behavioral background. So everything that we look at comes from, you know, thinking about it from what are you thinking? How that's impacting how you're behaving, how that impacts how you physically feel, how you emotionally feel. So you're looking at all these interplays and connections. You know, it's much easier to work with a behavior. So changing something that you're doing than it is to try and tackle the way that you're thinking. Now, it's possible to tackle the way you're thinking, but it often takes more work and it takes longer to do. I think you you work with the quick wins in my book and you go when you're feeling like you're having a wobble or you're struggling. I always go for the what things are in my circle of control and they're where I'm to first. So it always comes down to physically what am I what am I putting in my body so is it what am I eating what am I drinking how's my sleep and they tend to be my quick ones because they're things that I can take control of quickly without many barriers to them for myself you know it's I'm saying to Michelle not long ago that I was struggling with my sleep again and as simple as this but you know I put my phone on the other opposite table to the bedroom so it's not on the bedside table so it just wasn't there easy to catch in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep amazing how now, you know, 10 days later, my sleep's back on track again. And it's just easy things like that that you can do, which can be really, really powerful. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Anything from you, Michelle? Or you just, yeah, same as what Becca was saying?
2: I definitely echo what Becca says. And I think for me, one of the big things is it's just keeping in touch with people. It's been so hard to keep in touch with people, even though we've got all the technology, everything seems very deliberate. So you'll have meetings or you'll be in touch with someone for a reason but you've lost that just ad hoc catching up with people Um, and actually that really bolsters us. you know it gives us an outlet It, it makes us focus on something else and I think one of the big things is to try not to withdraw from that it's very easy to think I can't face another Zoom slash FaceTime or whatever it is but the amount of times I know I have forced myself to do something and then at the end of it it's just like Oh, I really enjoyed that. Actually, I've had a laugh. I feel so much better. You feel that tension's gone a bit, um, just because you've had that that interaction with people. But we can be withdrawn from that a bit because it is a little bit of like screen overload.
0: It's really yeah, hard to balance
2: yeah, that definitely. out. But
0: yeah, don't, the habit, don't withdraw too much. Yeah, the habit thing is is the one from as you say. It is is the one that's um, you can change relatively quickly just by doing a a small two minute uh, or one minute thing. So I think as an example here is when I get up, I do heavy weights. So I'm a heavy weights so and I do a punch bag and my garage is set out. It's got me motorbikes in my garage is carpeted. So it's all, so it's, it, so I'll go straight into there, come back out. And so I used to do it in an evening but I wanted to swap it, I wanted to do it in the evening. Because what I was finding, I was getting into the evening, but meetings and everything was going on. So eventually i just miss it and I stopped doing it. So I wanted to pull it into, the, into the, uh, the morning. So the first thing I have is a cup of coffee in the morning. I am a morning person straight out and I'm well oh, ready. So I actually anchored, or well, as James Clear does with, uh, with uh, Habits, Atomic Habits, I stacked it to the kettle. So before I had my coffee, I'd got to go into the garage and do that. Uh, and then had my coffee and then straight after the coffee, it was a full blown cold shower. And I do that every single morning now. Now it's got to a stage where I've done that. But now, because I'm not doing the movement because I'm in the meetings on here and I'm sat here in, in, the, in the room, the studio side I've got. When I go down to make a, a cup of coffee, I do a hundred press ups whilst the kettle's boiling, uh, and I do it every time. now. Yeah. and, and that, so it's just these little excellent. things, like those little habits, so just to just to take that little bit because whilst you're standing there waiting for the kettle, you can't do anything else. Right, drop hundred press ups uh, and just do. It. You need to be, you know, yeah, just do something. Just do you know, just get the blood really motion your heart rate up and make a difference. So yeah, good. Okay, excellent. So, what do you wish you had known when you first started up? Do you know now. Good
2: question.
1: Mm, it's a very good question. I, As much as I think the excitement of what we were doing has driven us as far and as long as we've got to at this moment, I think it would have been, I think there's a lot of things that we didn't know when we first set out and I think that's that's always going to be inevitable but I think there's a lot of things we didn't know about you know marketing and LinkedIn I'll always remember one of our first meetings we had with somebody helping us um with our social media marketing and just realizing how clueless we were in terms of how to use social media for business it was just yeah I think I don't know whether we came off that phone call more distraught or just laughing our heads off as to oh my god how naive we've been to this we just didn't but you don't know what you don't know and I, and I guess I mean I'm I'm not very tech savvy at the best of times and I've never been one that really loves social media in my personal life so for me I've really had to to get on board with that and really it's it's, it's felt like a very big learning curve for me um but yeah I think for, for me I think all the fundamentals were really I think I wish I'd have known I wish I'd have known how much work it goes into marketing a business i think that you know i think you assume that you know stick a couple of posts out and that would be enough and it's not and there's a lot more strategy involved in how you do that and what message you're sending and why and i think there's a there's a lot more to it that i think that i even was aware of in any way shape or form and i still think that we're working hard on trying to get there and get that right
0: yeah 80 percent of your time will be on marketing
1: yeah Whereas I think that I would have gone in going 20% of
0: the time, Adam, 20% is <laughs> yeah, it's Yeah. No, just... I don't know whether I've, ever, I can't remember whether I've ever told you this story is when I set TCM UK limited up, I'd come out of being a, a senior executive and um, had clients, had customer base, but I wasn't marketing. I didn't do marketing. I was an operations person. Mm. I was an engineer. Um, so I didn't do didn't know sales. So gradually, I could see contracts coming off, petering off, and then I'm starting to think, shit, What am I going to do now? What's happening, you know? And that's where I had my mental health episode. I don't know whether I ever told you. So I was sat there, and my wife would be next to me, and I'd have pains going up the left hand side of my arm, across my chest, up the left hand side of my face, and my lips would be going numb. That was a here. Nothing, nothing uh, wrong um, physically. It's mentally. You know, it was. It, I was playing. The the mind was going. <clears throat> excuse me, hundred miles an hour, and it was growing arms and legs, and those legs were going arms and legs, and I got into a spiral. You know, got myself sorted, and then uh, got a a, a mental around it. And that's when I started saying, right, you know, it's the marketing side, 80% marketing, and started building it. And that's where it, it, it made the difference. So, yeah, it is uh, It's uh, painful at times, plenty painful at times. Um, but uh, that's where uh, all the support and everything like that comes in. Um, so, yeah, for you, Michelle, so marketing, sales and marketing, what about Is there anything different other than sales and marketing you would say?
2: Um, I think we took a long while to realise the value and the power of networking. Um, I think we were stopped off just doing our own thing and it was only because of lockdown and everything went online. And, and we saw something about, you know, free introductory session, come along online for some networking that we thought we'd give it a go and see what we could learn. Um, and it was only sort of through doing that and trying a few different networking things that we'd learned the power of connecting with other people in, in, in various industries um just getting to know people people buy from people and and all that i think we, we again if we'd have been ticking along with even a, a, a small level of business i don't think we'd have come to that for a long one
0: yeah. yeah yeah network you can't i didn't used to do a lot of networking until the lockdown it, that opened up in a whole different thing for me because where i am i've got to travel and it takes a whole morning half a day out for me to do one networking and i can't afford the time Uh, i couldn't i couldn't afford the time so the covid side for me has had lots of benefits i'm quite strategic thinking it's again taught me to look differently at the strategy side so there's been there has been some good to come out of it um i must admit right we're going to go into some ad hoc questions now so let's have a look i've got a list of questions here so i'm going to pick some out how do you how do you um continue to learn in order to keep um, abreast of everything and 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 uh, up to date on everything? Is how do you go about it?
1: For me, I will trawl through. I've always been a big reader in the sense of academic side of things, so I will trawl through article after article after article. I think it's fair to say that if there's any research being gone and done around something i'm the one that's straight into the latest journal about whatever it might be and so i think we we really pride ourselves on trying to keep up to date things because particularly now we're out of clinical practice where you obviously absorb quite a lot just naturally because of the role that you're in um i think we have to really keep ourselves ahead um, and know what's coming out and what's new in the fields because things do change you know well-being particularly lots of things are coming out lots of ways of viewing it and Different techniques and different things that we we talk about change over time um so yeah i think we, we do a lot of reading around that
0: yeah because both of you are different we kind of i was going to come to you michelle i was going to say both of you got different traits definitely different traits and you've got different styles um so i was going to ask michelle so you know from your your side how do you keep her up to date on the breast of it as well So
2: basically um so having a look round, we're both obviously from academic background, I think we can both quite confidently use the internet and know where to find good sources. So, you know, proper peer reviewed information and, and confidently use that. So there's resources on the internet are brilliant and, and sign up and, and follow a lot of um, areas where there's a lot of research public, um, people, you know, sharing their research and findings um, and even down to things like, there's you know, some great things done. I good TED talk. You know people sharing knowledge there and then I often dig around well where did they find that where's where's that evidence coming from and um so we kind of tend to bring it together and and then we'll discuss it and, and use it where it fits with, with what we do.
0: Mm-hmm. You Ever thought about doing a TED,
1: uh, TED talk? I've thought about it actually. Never been no. on one. Our... To be fair I mean I think for a very long time I was even getting on video was a, an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so now you're saying that so because i've seen the video yeah um, so was is that the first video that you've done together or have you done others prior to that
1: no we've done other videos before but we've never done live videos so i suppose if anybody had insight into what actually went into us recording a two-minute video it would possibly take you half a day of stop re-record stop re-record and i think we I think you could drive yourself a little bit round the bend, couldn't you? Um, so in the end, we, we sort of really need to start doing lives where partly I think it's it's fantastic for people to know we're there and they can ask questions live in the moment. But also, I'll be honest, part of it was it will stop us from having to re-record all the time because you can't do a do-over.
0: <laughs> well, I'll t- tell you now, is that just just do it because you'll, you'll never... How can I say? Well, I did one last night. I don't know whether you've seen it. There's three of us. We do one every Wednesday, hashtag 5.30 live. Yeah, my mic wasn't working for the first 10 minutes. So nobody could hear me. You could see me going like that, but nobody could hear me. And it was Kelly that was live, watching us, sent me a message. And I'd got it up at the side here, sent me a message. Oh, by the way, Adam, your mic's not working. So uh, the other two had to take over and I'm flapping about trying to get my mic working. Um, So yeah, so the unexpected it'll happen and it's just you'll never you'll you'll never bother about doing a video after you've done live you really won't no it's amazing
1: how quick we've kind of got a bit more accustomed to it now we're doing another live tomorrow in our group um and we were saying you know it now just becomes even though we've only done a few of them it becomes a bit second nature now it's just it's it's just what you do and you just take it in your stride um yeah, I think it's, you just need to rip that bandage off with a with Facebook Live. And, and people have been telling us that for months, to be honest, and I think a little bit of avoidance um, and just, well, we'll do a video, but we'll just pre-record it. And, but you do, you get such a lot. I mean, we were doing, I was doing the Facebook analytics not long ago, and we, one of our videos, the first video that we put out, Adam, the reach on that went absolutely wild. And it was just, we'd never seen anything quite like it, um, just because it, with it being a Facebook Live. So it's, there's definitely merit in doing it.
0: Yeah. This is going out live now. Did you know that? Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> it's recorded. Um, so, <laughs> so I might have you on. Um, so, well, I was going to say, is there, you don't have to keep it because I know with the, some of the qualifications and things like that, you have to keep up with certain hours and things like that. Do you have anything involved with that with your accreditations or anything like that? No, we
1: used yeah. to have our professionals. Psychological wellbeing practitioners used to be an accredited profession and get them a bee in my bonnet if I go too much into it, but they took the accreditation away um, years ago um, and they were looking at replacing it. It hasn't yet been replaced with anything, but we used to have to do like a portfolio that would keep your accredited hours up. Um, and that that stopped some years back now, didn't it Michelle? Um, and I think they're in the process though there was always talks in the background that something would replace it, but it's yet to be sort of seen. Um, but yeah, so we used to do that. And then in terms of all of my other qualifications, or my masters and things like that, they're just, I say they're just, but they're, they're academic sort of um, qualifications rather than practice-based ones. Um, so yeah, we're, we're not kind of bit like on the nursing standards where you end up having to do a regular sort of keeping your pin topped up and things like that. Um, it's a bit different
0: for us. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I wondered. So Michelle, what makes you feel inspired and like your best self?
2: Um, Most of the time, it's Becca. (laughs) I couldn't do this on my own. And I honestly believe that it's when I'm with Becca or we're doing stuff together that I believe I can. And that's why lockdown's rubbish, because when I'm, you know, an hour and a half away, even working over teams, it's a bit too much distance for the doubt. So definitely within my work life and what we do, um, I definitely 100% say Becca. Yeah.
0: Okay, good. Becca, what about you?
1: Do you know what, it's it's not even, I would definitely echo Michelle in terms of that, but it, it's when we're all together. So I, I think we've got this, I'm going to get really stoppy now, but it, it's just really lovely how it's all fallen together because, you know, Michelle and I, I would consider are more like sisters than we are best friends. And our husbands are, I don't know how it's ever happened, but they're just like both into exactly the same things. It couldn't have been more perfect if you tried. And it's just actually when we're all together it's that element of everything feels like yeah we're, we're tackling the world <laughs> um, and I think it really gives us motivation I think we've seen each other through the worst of times and the best of times um, either professionally personally and I just think when we're all together and I think that's what's been hard this year is we've obviously for, for reasons because of lockdown we've, either we can get together for work but our partners can't get together because of obviously there's no reason for them to get together in the same way because it's not work related and so it's just hard to get us all in the same room so yeah that'll be the thing that i'm most looking forward to is getting back to
0: yeah so a strong family unit really uh even though you are separate families
1: it is and i've said this to michelle before but you know it's, we always hear that saying you know i don't it's a very well known saying but you know business isn't personal you know business is business business isn't personal and it is for us business isn't just business it isn't about just picking the boxes and making money it's about this is how we're building our life as a unit, your, your household Michelle, and our household. It's just this, we've got a shared dream of where we want to go. And it's, it's more than that. I feel accountable for you because I know that it impacts your life and vice versa. It's, it is, it's more than business. It's, it is personal for us. And I think that's maybe what makes it a bit unique.
0: Yeah, no, That's good. Okay. Cause it, there is, you hold each other accountable, which is, which is a good, good way uh, yeah. uh, to do it as well. So Michelle, You'll notice I'm looking over here because I've got the questions so I, and I'm picking the ones to ask you. If you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why?
2: A billboard? Wow.
0: And it doesn't, it can be business or personal. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, if you can have a billboard, what would be on it and why? And it's it's a bit unfair because I've asked you the question and Becca's got time to think about this because she's going to answer this one as well.
1: Yeah.
0: So. Do you want me to answer and then? <laughs> Go on then. No, if, not you, if you've got what an answer. What would I have then, on a billboard? Because...
1: doesn't have to be work-related or, or personal. Yeah. It be anything.
0: So if, 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 you, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why?
1: Work hard, laugh harder. Okay. I think that sums up what we do it's that for, you know every time we sit in any training room and we've spent hours and hours laboring over the content and all the practicalities of doing session I always just remember the blood sweat tears and the absolute laughter the belly aching laughter that we have putting into it you know it's yeah, it, yeah they are little babies of our own aren't they in terms of Each piece of work that we do because we put so much into it. And yeah, the laughter that we put into it is if people could watch us, wow, it's good. It's hilarious. But yeah, that's for me. So So you went all inspirational. inspirational.
2: You went inspirational. (laughs) The thing came to mind for me (laughs) is I just I'd love a billboard with an absolutely massive. Remember those magic eye pictures? Yeah. From like the nineties. I used to love those magic eye pictures but what i love more is watching other people try and get them <laughs> because i just think oh this is brilliant so i just love a massive one of those you could just stand back and watch all the people that yeah so yours is so much more inspirational
0: well, that's great good now then we'll start off with becca over this one um, this is a long question
1: i need to take notes
0: yeah if in 150 years science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life what would the title be and what would the blurb tell us about becca now michelle's got some time to think about this
2: yeah yeah
1: Mm. oh that is a very good question what would a book be Oh, you've thrown a good one out there, Adam. Where would you get these questions from? Wow, uh, 150 years. Science fails. What would I? What would I have as a book?
0: What would you? What would the title of your book be? And what would the blurb say about Becca and Michelle?
1: Do you know what? I hope that in 150 years' time, not science fails, but I have enough insight to go that the title would be "Don't Sweat the Small Things," because I know that I spend a huge amount of my time worrying about the small things and I've got I've got a little plaque that hangs above um in my kitchen and it says uh basically don't don't worry about the small things because one day you'll realize the small things are 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 really the big things and I think that that's kind of what I want is to I want to get to a state where I really embody that where actually don't worry about small things because you know you're really not going to ever remember those things are you it's the big things it's the relationships that you make along the way so I think it's you know don't sweat the small things you know don't put that extra you know wash a laundry and you know go and go and spend time with people that really matter and i think that hopefully when i see my end of my days in that's really what it's all going to be about is the people that you've you've met along that journey rather than all the things that you've ticked off and you've achieved along the way it's who's at the end of the race with you yeah. <laughs> um that's
0: for me michelle okay i think i would
2: probably be along the lines of I think I might be missing something <laughs> and it was just being <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a blurb around just being an ongoing quest for like curiosity knowledge and doubt you know just just keeping looking always curious trying to make, make sense not quite sure um but yeah maybe I'm missing something I'm not quite sure but I'm good,
1: good
0: how is uh it's an interesting one i should have asked this one earlier on uh, actually is uh how has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success
2: i think for me i think failure you you learn what doesn't work so you learn some practical things what doesn't work but for me it's more personal in that you learn that you survive i think even on the toughest days even when stuff goes wrong maybe my husband, I've got a saying. You know, at the end of the day, we'll often, if someone's had a tough day, it'll be well, hundred percent survival rate so far. <laughs> you know, and it's just yeah, learning that these things happen, but you you still survive and you still carry on, as well as kind of the technical stuff. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah,
0: good. Yeah, definitely. Becca, anything different?
1: I it, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think for me. It's what I consider to be failure, I guess. I think I've come a really long way personally, professionally, in terms of what I deem as failure. I think that what I look back on now, and if I was an 18 or 19 year old self at university, I would be beating myself up left, right and centre about, well, I didn't do enough. Um, I didn't do that well enough. It was, you know, I failed at that. And actually, I don't know if I could have failed because where all of those, those things resulted in me being here and where I'm at now and I don't consider that to be a failure so I think for me it's about what is questioning what is failure what, what what does failure look like because I don't think I'd even go as far to say I don't think it exists Yeah. I don't think that failure is a thing I think it's about how we perceive ourselves and I think it's about confidence so I, I try not to to go down the route of I'm failing I go down the route of where's this going to lead me it's just that it's, it's another dead end in the road it's, it's just leading you somewhere else rather than it being that it's You've done something that's not good enough.
0: Good positive outlook that one. Very good.
1: Oh, you is <laughs> great for
2: positive.
0: Yeah. So here's one. Let's start with Michelle on this one. What should I ask you that I didn't know enough to ask you? Ooh. Wow. This is one of the hardest questions what that people really ask? do.
2: Yeah,
0: doesn't matter if you haven't got anything; it's not a problem. Just sometimes it just throws up because it gets people thinking.
2: Yeah,
0: done anything reckless? See, so I've had somebody turn around and tell me, "Yeah, I've been in a porn movie." Definitely
2: not that. I wouldn't ask. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my claim to fame was done early, I think. If you ask me about my claim to fame when I was young, um, I think I'll anchor it about when I was about five or six, and I performed at the Royal Albert Hall in front of the Queen. Um no one ever really knows about that because it was a bit too long ago. But yeah, I got it in early as my claim to fame.
0: <laughs> there must be videos on that, though. Must be. I was about
1: to say, if we can, that's our next Facebook Live, if ever I've
2: <laughs> Do you know how old I am? Videos, in those days, <laughs> there's newspaper cutting somewhere that my dad's got that's gone yellow somewhere, but yeah, I don't think there's even many photos, never mind video. <laughs> okay, good.
0: Becca?
2: Um,
1: I guess one of my guilty pleasures that non-people don't intend to know about is, uh, my favourite place on earth is Vegas, so... I'm a bit of a, a bit of a gambler as much as all my positivity yeah i'm i'll gamble and and not in a bad way but you know if i I'm, i'll be the one that takes a punt on it wouldn't i'm sure what's making me laugh
0: here is michelle green <laughs> yeah she's going. Yeah. god the amount of things that i've I never been to vegas never
1: been to vegas with her but i've been to the seaside in an arcade with her
2: and that's terrifying
1: enough <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no that just that's amazing i'd never put you down as a gambler no way there. No.
1: yeah nothing better I'm, i always remember and, and it's when we went to vegas oh god i've been i can not even count how many times i've been now and i remember that the rule when my husband and me went to vegas it was right like, we well, don't leave the hotel whatever you do just feel free to, to go about your, you know whatever in the middle of the night whatever if you because if you, i've never i've never been a good sleeper and so it was the one place where you could just leave a note, post no bad bed, gone gambling. And yeah, so it was brilliant. So it's the best place on earth for me. But yeah, it doesn't sleep. So um, yeah, it's, it's a Las Vegas is up all night, all day, all night, and it never stops. So yeah, absolutely love it. Can't Biggest wait to be win, able to get back.
0: Then. Biggest hmm? win.
1: Biggest win would have been on the blackjack table and probably around the kind of, $250 I
2: think but it was a it was a
1: starting with a a $5 bet you know over a few drinks and a you know a good couple of hours later but yeah it's it's good fun like I say I'm not claiming that I'm a, a big you know high roller better but it's good fun and you know we've enjoyed the benefits of it over over time you know freebie shows because of how much you've gambled over the time yeah not one of my ones that I tend to advertise too much but I do love a little bit of it's good fun
0: Excellent,
1: excellent as long as you're willing you know what you're willing to lose I think that's the, the rule for gambling is go with an amount you're willing to lose and then you never really come back as a as a loser I think you've already allocated it I think that's yeah. my my rule on it
0: yeah always have a plan always yeah plan. always go with a plan great so I think that's it comes up to around about the hour that we uh, that we normally do um it's gone quick so yeah. where can people find you so you're, and I will put them in the, so I'll ask you for a little bio. We'll send that and I'll put that in the post of the, the blog, the uh, podcast with your links in as well. So, but where can people um, find you? So what's your web, web address?
1: Yeah. So it's www.aspiretraining.solutions. And I'm thinking about our um, email then.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Any uh, social media side? Got uh facebook i know you've got facebook group facebook page and things like that But they might be a bit long to
1: we're on linkedin and we're on twitter as well um and we've got instagram now haven't we as well michelle yeah i have just
2: started playing around with instagram so we've got finders on there but you'll um yeah you usually see there's a picture of the two of us um for our logo pages um and things like that so you can usually spot us when you find us
0: instagram's an interesting one The, the visuals and uh uh, good visual high visual stuff on uh, on instagram um does work uh, does work well um and i don't know whether you've seen my latest blog it goes into a little bit of the stuff with marketing strategy eight tips for marketing strategy mm. which is the latest blog that i've just done it was only out on tuesday yeah. um, but as i say i'll put all the links in the uh, description for everybody that wants to come and find you and connect with you um so thank you very much it's been a pleasure hope you enjoyed it. It wasn't too painful. Thanks for having us. Uh,
2: brilliant. Yeah, it's been great. Good.
0: Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts.